Today's episode is brought to you by Alexandra Park BJJ. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a full-contact martial art and combat sport that was developed in Brazil in the 20th century. With roots in Judo and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, has been developed and refined into a unique grappling art with the aim to allow a smaller and weaker individual to beat a bigger and stronger opponent with the application of proper technique. Based in Muswell Hill, North London, Alexandra Park BJJ's classes are designed so that you can develop your fitness levels, balance, coordination and flexibility in a no-pressure environment and to provide the opportunity to start a new sport at a reasonable price. At Alexandra Park BJJ, we aim to be inclusive so that everyone can benefit from this incredible art, not just the athletic or ultra-competitive. To book your free class, head over to alexandraparkbjj.co.uk or email inquiries at alexandraparkbjj.co.uk. Welcome to Audiobookish, an audiobook review and discussion podcast looking at audiobooks both big and small, as well as radio plays, narrative podcasts, anything audiobook-ish. This podcast may contain spoilers, rants, curse words, mispronunciations of names and places, and more. Hello everyone, you are listening to Audiobookish, an audiobook review and discussion podcast. My name is Fahed Rahman and I'm joined by Poppy Knight. Hello. And today we are going to be reviewing The Island of Missing Trees by Elif Shafak. Do you want to read out the blurb for this one? Yes, definitely. So, two teenagers, a Greek Cypriot and a Turkish Cypriot, meet at a taverna on the island they both call home. The taverna is the only place that Kostas and Daphne can meet in secret, hidden beneath the blackened beams from which hang garlands of garlic and chilli peppers, creeping honeysuckle, and in the centre, growing through a cavity in the roof, a fig tree. The fig tree witnesses their hushed, happy meetings, their silent, surreptitious departures. The fig tree is there too when war breaks out, when the capital is reduced to ashes and rubble, when the teenagers vanish. Decades later, Kostas returns a botanist looking for native species, looking, really, for Daphne. The two lovers return to the taverna to take a clipping from the fig tree and smuggle it into their suitcase bound for London. Years later, the fig tree in the garden is their daughter Ada's only knowledge of a home she has never visited, as she seeks to untangle years of secrets and silence and find her place in the world. Shortlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction 2022, shortlisted for the Costa Novel Award 2021. And I'll read out uh, Elif's bio. Elif Shafak is a British-Turkish novelist, political scientist and commentator, the most widely read female author in Turkey. Her novels have been translated into over 50 languages worldwide. Shafak's fiction is both steeped in Anatolian culture and profoundly modern in questioning of tradition and orthodoxy. She's been praised for marrying mysticism and myth with contemporary issues around gender and identity, a result of her academic expertise in political science and gender studies. Shafak's breakthrough came through in 2006, when The Bastard of Istanbul was longlisted for the Orange Prize for Women's Fiction. Seven years later, Honor was shortlisted for the same award. Her novels include The 40 Rules of Love, and The Architect's Apprentice, while her latest book, 10 Minutes, 38 Seconds in This Strange World, was described 
by the Financial Times. It's a novel that gives a voice to the invisible, untouchable, the abused and the damaged, weaving their painful songs into a thing of beauty. And this audiobook was narrated by Daphne Kumar and Amira Ghazali. Um, so Poppy, this was your pick. Um, can yep. you just say how you came across it and why you wanted to uh, discuss it? Yeah, so I came across it literally just because I was browsing for the next thing that I wanted to listen to. And the cover grabbed me. Um, it was beautiful, beautiful cover that I saw. It's got like a blue background. It's got a fig tree growing in a lovely like, I we've discussed before, I don't know my art terms, but sort of like etched out kind of line style, um, beautiful colours of this fig tree. And it just, it grabbed me. And then I listened to the sample and it's Amira Ghazala's narration and her voice is just incredible. For me, she could narrate absolutely anything and I would listen to it. So yeah, that really grabbed me. And then I wanted to talk about it because the last time we spoke, uh, I was a good amount through it and I was loving it so much that I just knew I would want to gush about it for an entire episode. And I definitely do. It has held up to that. So yeah. Cool. Um, This book wasn't necessarily what I was expecting it yeah to be i've got like a certain like expectations of what uh I've, even though i've never read any of her books mm. i had certain expectations of what this book was going to be okay so what did you off, expect okay so um while i was at university um mm-hmm. there were certain um female friends of mine uh would be like reading her books and i just mm. have like a prejudice mm-hmm. based on kind of like what their tastes usually Right. Would include so it's kind of like I actually um kind of sort of funny aside uh, a girl that I was like fairly attracted to mm-hmm. gave me one of her books as like a present mm-hmm. and we subsequently didn't go out so I just kind of maybe had a little bit of prejudice oh, against no. her yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway so I'm not reading any books by that yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess, so yeah so um but yeah but it's a, it, it was um a bit of a nice uh surprise mm, uh really good. um do you want to like, kind of start off with your initial thoughts kind of you you kind of mentioned listening to the preview and being drawn in by yeah the narration so do you want to kind of maybe take it from there of sure of course definitely so I also think that it would probably be a bit of a surprise to a lot of our listeners what it's like because I'm not sure that that I say this a lot I'm not sure that that blurb properly captures the story um I think you know, it, it makes it seem, I think, more like a, a romance book than it is. It, it's not a romance book. Like, you you could, a bit like The Mermaid of Black Conch has, you could, like, add a, you know, subtitle of a love story on the end of it, but that doesn't make, just like The Mermaid of Black Conch, that doesn't make it a romance, you know? It is a story that's about a situation, that's about people, that's about um, history, culture all sorts of stuff that happens to have a very strong relationship within it um, is what I think. And so, yeah, if you're the sort of person that doesn't like romance novels and you're starting to be put off by that, please don't be. Because while I'm sure people who do love romance novels can also love it, that's not the vibe, you know? Um, It's got a lot of other stuff going on. It's just also got a very strong relationship between two people, as well as a lot of really strong familial relationships uh, and stuff like that that make it great. So that's sort of as an overview thing. And then, yeah, talking about the narration that really pulled me in. So Amira Ghazala voices the fig tree and 
the way the book's structured is that you have fig tree chapters throughout. And um, we sort of talked on the last episode, do go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Um, I briefly mentioned how it has this sort of backwards step away from humanity to then comment on humanity. You know, it's a personified tree and it is a really, really interesting perspective to have throughout. And a lot of the time she's talking quite abstractly but a lot of the time she's talking directly about the characters and the people in her life. Uh, she talks a lot about different animals and species and there's very definitely all that kind of stuff wound in there that I thought was just fabulous and really, really wonderful. And she herself, the fig tree, is a fascinating, fascinating character. You know, she is, like, she's proud and she's jealous and she's passionate and she laughs at people making stupid claims and she's maternal in some ways and kind of, you know, sexual in others with her passions and she's just fantastic, you know, a, a real a real personality, a proper identity to this fig tree. And she talks about the identities of other types of trees. And I mean, that bit in itself was fascinating enough. And she kind of talks about if you were to ask a carob tree for their opinion, they tell a completely different story. And I was like, can the author please write that? <laughs> yeah. um, I, I would love like a whole entire mini series that's just like different trees and their own opinions of each other and of the animals around them and of the places that they live in. It just, it was just wonderful. It was a wonderful character in the way it was written and such a wonderful character in the way it's performed. Yeah, Amira Gazala's voice is fantastic. And that was really what um, pulled me into it. So then amid that, what you have is you have um, Daphne Kuma is narrating the other parts and they are again split in two into um, Ada, the child of um, Costas and Daphne. And she uh, was born in London, brought up in London. She's kind of at high school at this point and you hear some of her story and you have her kind of present day and you have her relationship with her father in present day and her mother has passed. We do learn that quite soon, so it's not a huge spoiler. And, you know, we talk about her dealing with that. And then also you have her Aunt Miriam comes over from Cyprus and you have a whole plot line with, you know, kind of those three characters in the present, shall we say. And then you also have flashbacks to Costas and Daphne when they were young children, well, teens, in Cyprus. And then the decades later that the blurb talks about when they reunite. And as much as I think Amira Ghazala's voice is just incredible and that kind of shines above for me, I don't in any way want to discredit Daphne Kuma's narration because it is phenomenal. And kind of the fig tree sections, and I think this very much suits the character, are very much just kind of her voice, right? Whereas Daphne Kuma has to do the voices of, you know, all the named characters that I've mentioned, as well as many other characters, and also do young versions and old versions of those characters, which yes. I thought she did. Yeah. yeah. An amazing distinction between those, which was just fantastic. So while I fell in love with Amira's voice, I am in awe of how well Daphne performs the rest of it. And yeah, I mean, this book, I think, is definitely one to be listened to for the fact of how phenomenal those, yeah, different narrations are. I'm aware I've 
blab for a yeah, long yeah, time yeah. now, so I'm going to let you get a word yes. in. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to kind of um, take you up on the point about Daphne having to do both old and young yeah. versions of the voice. Mm-hmm. That's not something I'd actually considered before, and that is right. it's probably quite a challenging thing as a performer to prepare for i imagine yeah i bet um so yeah i mean just i just wanted to uh, also take you up on a couple of other points so mm. i've got a slight issue with her performance of like ada because i i grew up in north london i knew a lot right. of like greek cypriot um and turkish cypriot girls and uh, oh. like, for me w- 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 from the area of north london i was growing up and the greek and turkish cypriot girls i knew didn't really sound like ada Right. I don't think she quite nailed that accent. Um, mm-hmm. She just, to me, sounded like not necessarily an English girl, but I didn't kind of really get like that sense of like ethnicity from her that I'd kind of like expect from someone who grew up in those communities. But I think maybe part of that could be explained away with the fact that she doesn't really speak Greek or Turkish yeah. at home. So I think that maybe there is um, <laughs> a little bit of that in there. You know, again, I think the character of the figs. So like this book reminded me of like different graphic novels I've actually read. Mm. Um, so um, like starting off with like the fig tree, that kind of like her perspective kind of reminded me of like the Sandman kind of this right. um, non-human character kind of commentating and remarking on uh, human affairs, kind of like a mix between mm. like Sandman and uh, Swamp Thing where you've got this kind of like plant, perspective on the cycles of time i think like time is a Mm. a really important um theme that runs through yeah the book kind of generational trauma so i think that's uh, you know that's kind of mentioned again how trees have memories that they can pass on to their seeds and Mm -hmm. kind of give them kind of different um attributes and i think that's mirrored in the like generational trauma of some of the human characters that basically (laughs) went through a really damaging civil war which kind of mm-hmm. also reminded me of uh, mouse which is a really famous graphic mm. novel about the holocaust and how the trauma that the survivors of an actual event can kind of like how they can pass that on so you can might yeah. you, you have these situations where people have survived this really traumatic event but they you know the children have to survive the survivors mm-hmm. in some cases and um yeah there's kind of uh, an interesting uh uh pull between others parents about how they should approach it like one of them is very much like we can't let her know yeah. anything about this because like if she knows then she'll know and she can't unknow it where mm-hmm. like the other parent is more like look <laughs> she's gonna find out and mm-hmm. you know it's no worth like hiding it from her so it's kind of that push pull in there yeah as well but yeah i mean i, I kind of uh, agree with you like the uh, ghazali's performance was really remarkable you can kind of like mm. i'm not too sure how old she is but you really get um a sense of like uh, not necessarily wizard but this is someone who someone who's gone through things kind of that really mm. kind of uh, comes across in her kind of the way she kind of enunciates certain words yeah no definitely um and i'm gonna do back on you what you did to me and go back through a few things but um i'll go backwards on that because i think my one criticism of the audiobook specifically is that i'm not sure that it was managed very well how sometimes amira will drop off at the end of sentences 
um, and go quite low. And whether that was kind of, you know, during recording or during kind of processing and post or whatever, I did find that quite a lot of her, not a lot, a decent number across a, you know, 12 hour book or whatever were clipped so much that I couldn't really tell what she'd said. Um, And I kind of did have to go and I, because I was listening on BorrowBox and yeah. I went and got the ebook on BorrowBox as well and I did go and check what some of the words were. So yeah, unfortunately, I do think that is a criticism of the audiobook and oh. I wouldn't want to put it against Amira because I think it was really nice how she went down, but there were definite points where it it, it disappeared, the, the words just genuinely disappeared, like kind of full words I and stuff like that. I didn't encounter that. So I, I listened to this Fair. on ZigZag and I mm-hmm. can't, yeah, that, I, yeah, I don't remember any instances where I, struggled to hear okay, what she was saying um the other thing i should probably preface my, my my review so i listened to a lot of this uh well the first half of this book on my trip to edinburgh where i was going on holiday and i planned that trip quite badly so i landed i arrived <laughs> in edinburgh around 2 a.m in the morning mm. so and i was just like listening to the book while i was walking around so and, and i'm pretty sure i started hallucinating oh, <laughs> just due to time <laughs> so maybe maybe kind of like those were the sections where the audio yeah uh, it slipped out a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah. Dropped out a little bit but yeah um, yeah. yeah and it was very much like it was a few times and it was because i was very much the opposite in that i was paying a lot of attention yeah, yeah. to it but yeah so anyway very slight criticism but yeah it was a shame in what is otherwise i think such a phenomenal audiobook that i would very much recommend everyone listens to rather than reads and um, it was a little bit of a shame that i think some of those things got lost so yeah. going back on what you're saying about the um the generational stuff and the keeping her distance from her heritage and that is very much you know something that's really strong in Adder sections and potentially that is why you know that accent choice is was it was maybe yeah, uh, yeah. representing that but uh, yeah, it's really not something that I know anything about at all but yeah that is certainly a important thing that she does feel very detached from Cyprus and wants to feel more connected to it and doesn't quite understand why not and then as we learn throughout the book because of the civil war in Cyprus because of the atrocities that you know people either experienced or knew about and and felt connected to so kind of definitely experiencing and Costas being aware of and feeling the guilt of not being there to experience them all these sorts of things you sort of begin to understand why they have closed her off from it and why it's not necessarily as simple as she might think you know when she's like why won't my parents talk about Cyprus um which is really interesting and then the other thing I wanted to comment on what you'd said was about uh, things that the fig tree narration reminds you of. Yeah. Um, and one example that I hope you'll agree with me on is it made me think of Freya in Guthrun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I th- yeah. It was very, very similar, of, uh, as you say, an inhuman voice commenting on it and the fact that some of it was directly on the action and some things took you away and talked about the mythology or whatever as a kind of separate thing, but that tonally matched where we were up to in the story and stuff like that. So yeah, if you listen to Guthrie on our recommendation and enjoyed it, then this is, and enjoyed that part of it as well, then that's something that you'll love in this book too. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, just going back to kind of like my experience with kind of Cypriot, it's one of those things where like, I grew up with a lot of, um, especially kind of Greek Cypriot um, people. You know, I went to like primary school, secondary school mm-hmm. with them. I never actually questioned why there was like a Cypriot community in London. And this is like um, a part of, I guess, British history that I knew absolutely yeah. nothing about. So that was mm-hmm. also really 
is really kind of like a good realization for me. It's like, I grew up, you know, with these people. I don't really know what their yeah. story is. And, um, you know, when you're listening to books, you always kind of bring your own personal, um, yeah. kind of baggage to it. And, you know, the other question that, you know, Ada's got about her kind of like heritage kind of like, for me, I didn't really ask my parents a lot of questions about all well, like, why did they move to England and stuff like right. that. But now my nephews and nieces, are kind of asking those questions and like unfortunately a lot of you know my, both my mom and dad have passed away a lot of my aunties uncles from that generation have gone and because like my generation well i can't say my generation me personally i wasn't curious about that stuff i haven't got answers to give them and mm. i think that's another thing that kind of like this book pulls at slightly as well as just because in, in terms of like knowledge and stories whose decision is it for you to like have those stories have access to that knowledge mm-hmm. or not because that's you know another thing that kind of flows through the book is um uh, what's uh, uh Ada's mum called again uh, yeah definitely one of the things that she does uh as a job is kind of like go into the field to recover bodies and kind of like mm-hmm. try and find out where people are buried and I found that was kind of like quite an interesting like part of her big part of her life was finding out and giving back people control of their loved ones bodies but yet she was she didn't want to give that same sort of like information to a daughter and it's kind of like Mm. that for me is kind of pulling in like slightly different directions that kind of um it made me think a lot about why was I so incurious about firstly my own personal history but also kind of like people that I grew up with as well I think that's kind of like interesting too oh yeah definitely no really interesting and so yeah the sections where Daphne is now working to uh, find the bodies of the people that were killed in during the Civil War is obviously extremely morbid and sad, but still a very fascinating part. And for me, it was really interesting because in drama in high school, we did a project about the disappeared, which was a similar thing in Argentina, where a lot of people went missing. Yeah. And, you know, their bodies weren't recovered slash their bodies were only very later recovered and things like that. And that had really stuck with me from doing that back then. And so when I heard this, that you really brought that back to the forefront. And yet it's also connects with that idea of things being lost to time. So with what yeah. you're saying there about not being able to give those answers, you do feel when you're listening to this, certainly those sections, the kind of decades later sections, that you are running out of time. You know, that soon all the people who know where the bodies are buried will be gone and that kind of thing. And soon it will be too late to uh, give people that piece of, of, um, you know, of comfort. Though the nice part of kind of the widow's tombstones that say, if you find my husband, please bury him with me kind of thing, you know, so it's never too late, of course. But definitely that idea of things being lost to time and with Daphne being gone in the later sections that idea that yeah Ada's then lost something that she can't get back so that is you know there's running out of people to ask and that definitely flows through the entire thing even with like her school project thing that she has that is very definitely something that is in there so I can certainly see why that connects with your personal experience yeah, for, yeah. for that bit and then I had a different 
but I guess in some ways similar um, thing to you in that I really didn't know much at all about Cyprus's history. But for me, I haven't really met many people from Cyprus at all. I believe there was one girl in a few of my modules at uni um, who's from Cyprus, but I genuinely haven't met anyone else from Cyprus and really didn't know much about it. I knew vaguely about kind of tensions between Greeks and Turks, but that was the extent of my knowledge, um, yeah. unfortunately, at that point, because it isn't something, despite, as we learn from this book, the extent of the British involvement in it, it's not <laughs> yeah. something that we learn about at all. So, yeah, and it really, uh, well, obviously devastating. I, I was still very intrigued by it and I'm really gripped by the way this story told you that island's history. Yes. I got really, really... Um, emotionally involved in that I think and really interested by it and I was in Waterstones recently and saw a book called The Silence of Scheherazade um, yep. by Daphne Suman and that when I read the blurb of that it sounded like it would be quite similar and covering a lot of the same historical context as this book and it has been praised by Alif Shafak as well. So I haven't listened to it yet, so I can't necessarily recommend it. But that is, I think, one of the things that I'm going to listen to, if not next, then soon, because of how much this made me really interested in that part of the world and that section of its history and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Kind of, It is something that I want to know, actually go out and read a little bit more mm-hmm. um, yeah. about... The way she, well, I don't think we've actually mentioned how beautifully she writes. She writes, oh, yeah, yes, like her, mm-hmm. um, she writes absolutely like beautifully. Those sections where she is talking about uh, the history, and most of that is in the fig tree sections. Those mm. are really difficult sections to kind of get right because that you don't want to recite history from like it could be kind of like dry and expositional mm. and just trying to get this information across. But there's so much. Uh, poetry is the wrong word, but it's it's really lyrical in the way yeah. she kind of approaches it from the trees point of view and you know the trees always talking about the relationship between the you know the people and animals and mm-hmm. nature and there are like fantastical elements in mm. the the dialogue she has she has uh, conversations with bees and ants and mm. um other trees and I found, you know, the way she kind of uh, explains away that history to give, because th- that context to the story is really, really important. You don't oh, yeah. get the emotional heft of, you know, uh, when Aunt Miriam visits or mm-hmm. um, kind of the main romantic relationship without that historical mm-hmm. geopolitical context. So that that was yeah. important to get in there. And also yeah. the kind of subplot, I guess, is one way to describe it, of Yusuf and Yorgos. Yeah. Um, who run the Taverna. And their story is very similar to what you're saying there. It's really entwined with that perspective of the fig tree and the context is really important for that and for the emotion of it and for what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And the lyrical was the word that I'd used as well and like figurative and, you know, all the imagery, all the metaphor is fantastic. And I also thought, as well as loving the narration and the way that it was done and loving the writing, I really just enjoyed listening to the words wash over me. And yeah. I, uh, yeah, and A, because they were performed really brilliantly. And I've also often thought this, but not actually known how to express it and been like, oh, I really wish I could identify what actually is it that I'm loving about it. And slight tangent, and please do get back to your points <laughs> that you want to say, but I recently went to 
a talk by Philip Pullman, which was very yeah. exciting. Uh, he was asked the question of how does he write, not in the physical sense of, you know, kind of pen and paper, but how does he come up with the next sentence effectively? And he really quite quickly said that it was all about the rhythm, that that's why he can't listen to music while he writes because he hears the rhythm of the words. And it's like, okay, this sentence went like this. So the next sentence goes, dum de dum de dum de dum 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 and he did a, a whole section on that which was fascinating and made me think about this book and I was like well maybe that's why I love listening to the words and the way it's written so much as well as the content in them the meaning of them how lyrical they are how beautiful they are how emotive they are uh, all the imagery it's also just written in a way that flows and that sounds beautiful and yeah another reason to listen to it yeah I think yeah there is a certain tempo to, mm. to uh, we keep on referring kind of to the fig tree sections, but I think it's also apparent in um, especially adder sections. A real age is another big theme in this book. It's kind of like adders mm. is kind of like um, suffering from teenaged angst about <laughs> like certain things, and like there's a little bit on social media in this book. Mm. I'm, uh, that's a little bit of a theme. I don't think she really teased that out in. I yeah, yeah. I don't know how you felt about that. Um, yeah, so I didn't really gel with those bits. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, wouldn't actually go in and gut it out. But if she had written this book without the adder bits in it, I wouldn't have minded too much. Yeah. Though the thing I like about the adder bits is that it allows the Aunt Miriam stuff to come in, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I didn't fully connect with Ada's character and the stuff that she was going through at school. So maybe just if those bits were were removed, then um, to me, it wouldn't have affected me too much. Because yeah, I didn't really gel with those bits. They they took me away a bit in some ways, a slightly cringe. Um, but yeah. what I did like that is kind of entwined with those sections is the idea of a connection between her and the fig tree which yeah. that was really cool. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Those bits, the kind of social media bits and the teen angst bits weren't the strongest bits of this book. But um, yeah. but yeah, still nothing to tell you not to listen to it. It's, yeah. it's no way that bad. It's just not the strongest bits of a very strong book. Yeah. Um, and then, so we've got like uh, the teenage sections. We've got like a slightly older teenage sections, which is kind of like the initial um, love story. Then we've got like mm-hmm. uh, sections that focused on like a dad trying to deal with her daughter, uh, an older, slightly older woman, kind of dealing with what could have been and what should have been in like Aunt Miriam. Then we've got this, this ancient character that's got kind of like uh, a much longer mm. view of things. And like the fig trees also suffers from its own traumas yeah. as well, but it's got yeah. a slightly longer perspective on things mm. as well. It's kind of like, you know, uh, a child that's basically focusing on the very short, uh, short term, mm. someone who's got a slightly medium term look kind of like looking mm-hmm. ahead and looking a little bit further back. And then you've got the tree, which has got like this kind of generational view as well. So I found that kind of like thing about the way they played with perspectives of time and yeah. what things are important yeah. and stuff as well has really uh, worked really, really well. Mm. Oh, fully, fully agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What other topics have you got kind of like, because I've got a couple of other things that I've got like, mm. words that I've written down. Um, one of them is kind of like mythology that kind yeah. of plays quite a big part in the book, especially in the fig trees section, which is a kind of not analogy, but this kind of references to kind of what's happening either on Cyprus or in, um, in relationship between different characters in the book. Do, do, do you have any like thoughts on that? 
Yeah, no, I really liked that. And sort of both the mythology in kind of um, traditional sense with like the, the Greek mythology that's definitely brought in there. And also the kind of, I guess, you could call it like the fake mythology um, in this idea of, yeah, these trees and their different personalities and so forth. There's an absolutely beautiful section near the end where she basically just lists which trees you should go to for a certain emotional situation. And it is just a list if you want to look at it dryly, but my goodness, is it moving. Um, yeah. So yeah, the things like that and the symbolism and the, the metaphor or whatever with the different plant-animal relationships and the uh, kind of dynamics in in animal societies and all sorts of stuff like that that comes into it is really important as well. And that actually sort of reminds me of one of the things that I did want to talk about was Costas's relationship with nature and so he's a botanist and he loves trees and that very definitely is a connection there but you learn a lot about him throughout his life feeling very connected to animals and very empathetic towards them and really violently upset about cruelty towards them and things like that and I think that is a really important part of the book it's something that certainly for me resonated quite closely as animals are such a big part of my life and kind of yeah relationships between them and how those kind of moralities work and things like that and as well a as a literal example for that and b as just a theme in general the way his mother didn't share that feeling and kind of you know thought he was too sensitive for being upset about things like that it really did resonate in that way that I think it will for a lot of people that when people invalidate stuff that's important to you, that really hurts, you know? And you've got A, the fact that, you know, I think that happens a lot for people who, you know, value the lives of animals that are often, you know, dismissed and said that, nah, you know, that's too sensitive. What does it matter? It's only an animal. And certainly if you were talking about plants, right, which this yeah. book makes you um, and makes you feel very guilty for any time that you haven't respected a plant but in that way that sort of acknowledges that you're a flawed human being and that's fair enough but maybe you know if you were to think about it it's an interesting thing to ponder but yeah so a sort of that but then b just to any situation when someone and certainly a parent or anything says that you're too sensitive because you care about xyz that you know that hurts so i don't know that moment really stuck out for me and sort of yeah ties with how he feels about the animals and the things that happen to them like we were just talking about the parallels between the both intentional and unintentional um widespread deaths of animals um across the story obviously connected to that civil war and various things like that is all just so cleverly written. I really don't understand how she so cleverly interweaves all those different things, but I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, um, I'll be just on that. This is a book heavy with death and mm-hmm. pain and yeah. like really, really kind of like heavy things. So don't go yes. into this thinking it's like a light yeah. read. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not. Um, no. there, there are going to be things that are going to like tug on your heartstrings and make you real feel really sad and mad and mm-hmm. um, upset about things. But that's what, what good books do yeah. sometimes. The last note that I've got on my thing, because I think we've pretty much covered everything else, is there is a section where they go to um, basically an Islamic witch doctor. And like this is, I don't know, I know maybe like the Turkish... Uh, 
in Turkish culture, this is it might be a bit different, but this is like, oh, yeah, I'm a fairly practicing Muslim, and this is just is such a big. It really put me in like tinterks because I've heard so many bad stories about things that have happened to people that go to those uh, kind of like uh, magicians or whatever you want to call them. So, and it was, it was really, and it's it's is it it interesting for me because I think this is the first book that I've read where that's in there. Yeah. So yeah, but like for me, that was actually one of the scariest bits mm. of the book because I was I wasn't sure. I see, is, are they going to be walking into like an abusive? situation something like that so right. yeah i mean you hear a lot of bad stories about that sort of thing so yeah so that's just the, the other thing that, that i wanted to kind of mention quickly yeah. um yeah anything else that you wanted to talk about yeah and i'll try and not uh, yeah. Yeah, say yeah. too much yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. i really could just talk about this for ages yeah, yeah. and please if literally anything has piqued your interest from this review please do go and listen to it i, yeah. I do think it's fabulous but as for head said um, when you're in a place that you can handle the dark things, <laughs> because it is deep and it is dark, but it is so worth it. And there is, there is so much hope and brightness in there as well. So as long as you're at a point where you can handle, uh, yeah, listening to something deep, then I, I fully recommend it. It is fantastic. I'm going to add actually a few more tiny criticisms, yeah, yeah. um, that I had. Again, audio version stuff. I was pretty sure that Daphne, maybe understandably, because her name being Daphne, did often call Daphne, Daphne. Yeah. Um, And there was a mix between kind of uh, Daphne, Daphne and Daphne um, and things like that. And that did irritate me slightly. It's just a continuity thing, um, but still doesn't overshadow how amazing the performance was. Just a slight niggly thing from me. And then I will not go into this deeply because I do not want spoilers but I would be interested to talk to you afterwards. And certainly if anyone listening wants to chat with me about it, I'd be interested because I'm hard to please with endings. And the sort of the rounding up ending of this, I thought was fabulous. And it nearly made me cry on the train. Um, (laughs) But the actual ending ending, I'm not sure it worked retrospectively. Like there's sort of a twist bit and I don't really know that it traps oh, for the yeah, rest of it. Oh, yeah, I know it. what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think I could have done without it. But I love the sentiment behind it so much that I don't mind. Yeah. But I'll be honest, for me, I sort of, I said this to my partner, I don't accept it as canon. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I, I like it as a as a sentimental fanfic, maybe, but I don't accept it as canon. Yeah. Uh, as the very, very ending. But I would be intrigued to see what other people think. I'm just... Yeah, not sure it tracks with the rest of it, but it still was a beautiful ending. And so, yeah, what I will finish up with is very much tied to what you were saying in your roundup in that it really does pull at your heartstrings. And I was really struggling to put into words what I felt like it did to me. And, you know, I don't really want to say that it smashed it to pieces because that doesn't feel like the right you know, the right kind of action, but it's sort of like, maybe it like poked it really hard and like bruised it and and shook it about maybe. Um, I don't know, but kind of the most important thing was that it, it had my heart, you know, it it just like stole it from my chest and and just held onto it and was like, yeah, I'm going to keep this while you're listening and probably for a while after it, it, you know, it felt that sort of, it's out of my chest. You just have to surrender to this book, I think. Um, And even the sad bits, you know, I don't think um, this one actually, actually made tears happen, 
because it was a different kind of sadness. Yeah. It was very much an in my chest sadness, but also a warmth in there. And just, yeah, surrender to this book, love it, and then come talk to us about it yeah. <laughs> and recommend um, it to everyone. I, I'd agree with that. It's a really beautiful, a really, really beautifully written book that's mm-hmm. uh, been like, exquisitely performed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a, a really highly, highly, highly recommended um, for me. I think maybe one of the best books I've listened to I this think for year. me too. I'm glad you agree, but yeah. definitely up there for me. Yeah, yeah for sure. Cool. So um, we haven't decided what book we're going to be doing next. We'll uh, let you guys know via social media. If you can continue to support the podcast by leaving a review or rating wherever you found us, um, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. There's a link in the episode description if you've got any um, recommendations or comments that you'd like to send us you can uh, contact us over social media at audiobookishpod or email us at audiobookishpod at gmail.com should we say bye poppy Mm -hmm. bye guys bye